Welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. Hi there, and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. I've had a, had a really great week this week. Um, I've spent um, I've spent a little bit of time up in Scotland working uh, working with a with a business up there, um, delivering some some sort of training and development out to some of their employees. Uh, covered a whole load of topics, a bit, a bit of stuff on manual handling. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of activity that they do that's that's quite that's quite intensive from a manual handling perspective. Uh, we did some stuff on isolation and lock off, which is really really important. Um, the uh, the number of, of of serious injuries and fatalities that that happen in uh, you know in industry and you know in the industry that I'm working in has has, has been has been pretty shocking from a you know from a an entrapment perspective and caught in uh, caught in plant and equipment. So 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 we weren't just doing some uh, some some time in a classroom. It was getting out into the workplace and doing the practical element of isolation and lock off. And, uh, and and as we always do, you know, we found we found a couple of issues with a couple of the uh, a couple of the isolators. And um, you know, one of them we couldn't find um, uh, a way of actually getting the padlock or the hasp into the uh, you know into the into the isolator. Um, and um, and also there was. Um, there was the hasp that they were using. Um, you could actually take off of the isolator really easily, and sort of demonstrate that. So they're, they're going to get some new uh, some new hasps in their business. Anyway, um, what I want to talk to you about is is my guest, uh, my guest for today, um, Andrew Sharman, Professor Andrew Sharman. Um, Runs a a risk a risk consultancy business over in Switzerland, but he's also um, president of uh, the, the Institution of Occupational Safety and Health (IOSH). Um, and 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 Andrew's been sort of instrumental, I suppose, in in helping push forward uh, um, the sort of competency, behavioural safety, that kind of stuff in the, in the workplace. Um, and and that's what we're going to talk about today. So so I am going to uh, I'm going to hand you over to Andrew. Thank you very much. So so could you could you just just explain explain your 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 current role in uh, in IOSH then, what you're currently doing. So uh, I'm currently president of IOSH, serving a one-year term from September last year until October this year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's a real accolade and a great honour for me to, to be installed as the president of the world's largest organisation for occupational safety and health professionals and, uh, and really marks a, a highlight of the 22 years of volunteering that I've put into to IOSH. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things that I really like about 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 IOSH is the fact that they, um, you know, it's, it's a forward thinking um, organisation that, um, you know, that is, I suppose, is, is is challenging health and safety professionals to 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 influence the workplace better. Can you can you explain a little bit about about you know your you know how you're driving that forward? I suppose. Well, IOSH has been looking to the future for quite some time now. In fact, the current strategy called Work Twenty Twenty Two leverages on three key points, how practitioners influence people, how they enhance the work that's being done, and how they collaborate to to gain success. Uh, And this strategy has been born out of deep thinking about what the future world of work looks like. Ayush's aspiration is essentially a world of work that's healthy, safe, and sustainable. So everything that the institution does is designed to try to support members wherever they are across the world more than 130 different countries now to, to do exactly that, create a world of work that's safe, healthy, and sustainable. 
No, that's uh, that's fantastic. And I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, you're not um, you're not working in Ayush um, full time. You know, you've got your own your own business that you're the successful business that you run. Can you just explain a little bit about about um, about about that as well? Yeah, I wear a number of different hats. Uh, Ayush is, is just one. My day job, I suppose, is as managing partner of RMS, which is a global consultancy that specialises in culture and leadership. And we support organisations around the world through sectors including mining, construction, oil and gas, pharmaceuticals and, and fast-moving consumer goods. Our clients are typically Fortune 500, FTSE 100 corporations across a diverse range of sectors and in more than about 100 countries now. And we typically try to help organisations think differently about what safety means to them and how they leverage the power of leadership at all levels to enhance and improve their culture and enable excellence in safety at work. No, that's uh, that's wonderful. I mean, what what we'll do is I've I've got a few questions a little bit later. Um, uh, you know, talking about the leadership. You mentioned you mentioned leadership a number of times there, and it uh, it's it's such an important important part of uh, a successful business, but but also successful health and safety. So um, it'll be really nice. Uh, it'll be really nice to talk about that in a little bit uh, a little bit more detail um, um, later on. I'd like to um you know one one of the points that um that we were going to talk about was was, was about the Vision Zero. Um, can you can you explain can you explain that sort of concept to us a little bit, please? Yeah. So look, um, Vision Zero is a proposed strategy to keep all the world's employees out of harm's way whilst at work. And um, I guess the vision of, of zero accidents and zero harm began many years ago, back in 1799, with Irene Dupont de Nemours, uh, a, a long way of saying the Dupont Corporation. In fact, a gunpowder-related accident resulted in the death of some of Dupont de Nemours' employees. And in response, he established a new philosophy of safety in what would now be referred to as uh, corporate culture, I guess, and made his managers aware of their responsibility to ensure safety in the workplace. Uh, Dupont de Nemours also laid down some of the first safety regulations and invested in safety products and uh, and I guess for, for that, Dupont's often regarded as the father of the Vision Zero philosophy. But nowadays, the Global Vision Zero campaign, led by the International Social Security Association, ISA, is based on the view that all work-related accidents, diseases, and harm are preventable and aims to motivate and support businesses to develop a workplace prevention program. Uh, and, and in fact, the, the latest Vision Zero campaign was launched during the 21st World Congress in September 2017 in, in Singapore. Mm. So it's it's sort of um, it's taking on these these initiatives like Target Zero and Zero Harm and and just uh, just reinforcing that. Is that is that is that fair to say? Well, well, it is. Um, I, I think there's a difference between Target Zero and, and, and Zero Harm. Uh, a common theme first is that all accidents or injuries are preventable in both of those philosophies. Target zero tends to be a common goal for organisations where safety is a big concern. And the goal is to eliminate all occupational accidents and injuries within a company. Uh, the goal of a zero harm approach is to try to bring forward a workplace without exposing an individual to injury through the implementation of safe work systems. Zero harm approaches are linked to exceeding the requirements of safety regulations. And uh, I guess the effectiveness of a zero harm approach uh, is a bit controversial and, and is debated by both practicing occupational safety and health practitioners and academic researchers. Uh, many safety experts seem to embrace the concept, whilst others believe that the concept is, is potentially harmful. Mm. I mean, I've heard... Um... 
you know, I, I listen to a lot of people, uh, you know, talking from about health and safety and, you know, and having these, uh, these initiatives and these, these, these targets and visions and, and, and how it can potentially drive people to silence a little bit. Um, you know, what, how do you, how do you feel about that? You know, that, you know, that it stops people talking if they, you know, if they're, if they're believing that they, that, you know, it, you know, if we're not getting, if we're not a zero, we haven't, we haven't been successful. Yeah, look, I, th I think that's one of the big challenges with using zero as a defined target for organisations, that it, it, it does risk perhaps under-reporting or misreporting or misclassification of, of accidents. Uh, and we've seen many case studies of organisations where exactly that sort of thing has, has happened. But I, I guess you've got to think differently about the buy-in and, and, and what it is that we're trying to create here. As a philosophy, everyone going home without harm every day is absolutely right. In fact, it's a basic human right, isn't it, to come to work and go home again at the end of the day without injury or ill health. I think the Vision Zero concept lays down seven nice golden rules, they call them, but we can think perhaps more of them as principles. And these are taking leadership, demonstrating commitment, identifying hazards and controlling risks, defining targets and developing programs that allow you to meet them, ensuring a safe and healthy system in the workplace, so thinking about your organisation, thinking about safety and health in machines, equipment and workplaces, so realising that it's about the interface between people, plant and process, developing competence and improving the qualifications of people at work, uh, and finally number seven in the, the ISA Vision Zero Seven Golden Rules is motivation through participation involving and investing in people to really put people at the heart of health and safety at work. I think those seven golden rules really act as a pretty solid framework for ensuring you stay on the, the right side of the whole Vision Zero philosophy. Mm, that's right. I mean, there's, um, um, you know, we, I, I've worked in organisations that, um, that have had golden rules um, um, uh, in the quarrying. I did quite a bit of work in the quarrying industry in the, uh, in the UK. And... Um, and, and 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 I suppose m my concern is when is when these things get get weaponized. You know, if somebody hasn't followed the rule, then uh, you know, then they get they get penalized for uh, you know for their for their for their behaviour. I suppose. How do you how do you feel about you know how do you feel about that? The, the, how the rules and that you know work work from that perspective? Yeah, look, I, I I think rules are important, aren't they? We need a framework to set expectations on the behaviour of workers at work. But I think it's also important to emphasise the benefits of good occupational safety and health in the workplace and how this can positively affect physical and mental well-being. A key here is having high-level advocates within an organisation who take safety and health seriously and act as ambassadors. This can really make a huge difference in my experience over the last couple of decades in creating a workplace culture that values OSH. And in fact, with my, my OSH hat on for a moment, there's a great report called The Healthy Profit, which is published by IOSH and explores how investment in safety and health lead to significant return on investment for businesses. And you can find that on the IOSH webpage by looking for The Healthy Profit Report. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you, know, they, you know, businesses that, um, that, that don't treat health and safety in isolation, but actually treat it as part of the way that we do things, you know, it's as, as important as, as, as profit, as important as productivity and environment and quality are the ones that are really successful, you know, and I think the ones that, 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 that have got it, that have got it misaligned, you know, often, you know, often maybe overemphasized, but, you know, do, 
to try and comply too much almost, don't they? You know, and it's about getting that balance, isn't it? Yeah, in fact, um, you're talking about this balance. In, in one of my books called Mind Your Own Business, what your MBA should have taught you about workplace health and safety, I co-wrote it with Dame Judith Hackett, formerly the chair of the health and safety executive in the UK. Judith and I tackle this issue that it's so easy to get health and safety either too hot or too cold, too hard or too soft. And, and really, just like the Goldilocks fairy tale, it's about getting the balance just right. And the way to do that is, as you hint at, is to, to weave health and safety into just how we do our business, mm. making everybody uh, accountable for health and safety uh, and ensuring that leaders at the very top and down through the hierarchical structure of the organization are responsible for leading safety forward with the right behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do, how do you feel about the, uh, you know, there's, there's the, the, the safety differently um, uh, sort of approach that's going on uh, at the moment that uh, um, John Green and Todd Conklin and people like that are talking about. How, how, how different do you think that is, say, compared to, 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 to what you're talking about? Because I'm hearing a lot of what they talk about and what you're talking about with Vision Zero are sort of quite intertwined. I don't think safety differently is particularly different, mm-hmm. um, to, to be frank. I think the work that Todd and, and John and, and Sid Decker and others are doing to raise awareness around what safety really is, it's not the absence of accidents, it's the presence of other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to be focusing forward on what safety really is, defining that in terms that are meaningful for the organisation, and then focusing on the inputs that achieve the result of everybody going home without harm at the end of the night. So, so I think um, safety differently is, is very similar to my own philosophy of creating safety, which is very similar to many other philosophies by, by people who are just trying to think about the inputs to great safety in the workplace. And I think that's where we all need to be focusing. It doesn't really matter what we call it, so long as it's meaningful, uh, it resonates with people, and it helps us achieve the end result, which is everybody getting come back, getting to come back to work again the next day to do another great day at work and feel some pride in that. So it's um, you know, for me, I think it really comes down to the, the the how how people at the sharp end perceive the message and what it is that uh, you know that the the, the the business is trying to achieve and what and what they want to achieve as individuals, but also about how the middle management, as people in the middle, you know, because they're, they're, they're such big influence influencers. And you know, and, and can can turn a, a great message from the top of the business into into a into a terrible message by by by, the, by saying the wrong things, isn't it? Do you, you know? So when you go into organisations, are you working? Are you working at all different levels? Right. Yeah. Um, when when we at RMS engage with our clients, we typically begin at the very top level with with the board and the CEO and their leadership team, uh, and, and then progress down through the hierarchical structure of the organisation to, as, as you suggest, make sure that the communication the message is consistent and is resonant for whichever audience it, it, it needs to to reach. In fact, this is really the job of, of the health and safety practitioner on a day-to-day basis. It's working out what the message is, translating it to a language that different parts of the organization can understand, and maintaining consistency of that message as it flows out. And, and perhaps this is one of the big challenges that we see the OSH profession now engaged with. It, it wasn't long ago that OSH practitioners were all about the technical subjects, the, the science and the risks themselves. Uh, and forward-looking practitioners have realized it's much more around the social skills too. Mm. Yes, you need the technical understanding, but the 
Perhaps the bigger challenge for some organisations is how to get that message right, how to get the communications to stick. I mean, I think one of the uh, one of the big changes that I've seen in the in my in my twenty or so years in a, in the health and safety profession has been has been you know that health and safety professionals in organisations used to be used to be people that were that were coming to the end of their their operational life and they were almost pigeonholed into something and and they became compliance people. Whereas I'm seeing you know when 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 you look at, at, at guys like like Robert Jukes and, and people coming through you know who are, who are just passionate young future leaders of the business but have got a real big health and safety uh, sort of um, uh, hat on as well it's just it's just great to see people with with different different attitudes coming into the profession yeah it's, it's wonderful um, it's wonderful to see these people who are choosing health and safety as their career of choice uh, and, and driving hard to to really kind of make a difference I, I don't know whether the agenda of, of, of people like um, Robert Jukes, who incidentally I was just chatting to last night. Um, I don't know whether the agenda is to shake things up or simply to be themselves, which is really what authentic leadership is all about, isn't it? To, to, to approach your work in a way that feels right and feels consistent with who you are. I, I, um, I suppose it also makes me feel quite old. I've had 24 years now working in safety and uh, I, I guess I've always considered myself to be the, the upstart or, or, or the youngster. As I approach 50 years of age in a few years' time, I realise that I'm not anymore. So it's great to see this enthusiasm, which inspires me on a daily basis. No, I mean it's um, you know it's 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 good. You know it's it's really it's really great to to, to see passion in 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 a in an environment that's often seen as a little bit boring. You know, and uh, you know, and it's uh, you know, it's just nice. It's just nice to to you know to see like say people wanting to come into it. I suppose on, you know, on that side then, I mean, and, and this, is, this is what I really like about IOSH is, is the competency framework that, uh, that has recently come out because it's, it, it is so much more than, than, than understanding the noise at work and, uh, you know, and what, what that entails. And it's, and, and it's so much more about, um, you know, about these, these personal traits uh, that, that, that good health and safety professionals, you know, need, need to have and, and need to encourage can you can you sort of you know explain a little bit about the uh, about the framework and uh, you know how it was how it was brought about? Yeah, so um, so you're right. The, the Irish Competency Framework is directly designed to to try to support practitioners with some of these challenges that we're talking about, um, and to help them keep pace with rapid changes in the workplace, such as the uh, the increasing use of technology and a global aging demographic. The, the framework itself is informed by research conducted with businesses and other key stakeholders to identify what's required of the modern OSH professional to be able to influence and drive change. And it, it draws on data that IOSH gathered from Blueprint 1.0, as well as a thorough six-month research project. So we can say that the IOSH competency framework now is, is the most comprehensive framework of skills, knowledge and behaviours for the OSH sector. And it, it kind of links into the Work 2022 strategy that I mentioned earlier to enhance, collaborate, and influence, and uh, really the aim is to support and develop a well-rounded OSH professional who can communicate and influence within business and in the boardroom. Uh, and, uh, and I think in this way, IOSH is really helping to future-proof the profession and develop a greater understanding of what safety, health, and well-being is in society at large. And uh, like all IOSH work, you can find out more about the competency framework on, online at iosh.com slash competency framework to, to see the whole thing. So what is, um, you know, what will happen now? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a health and safety professional. What, 
what should I be doing with that, uh, you know, with that document, with that, with that framework then to develop myself? How, do, how does it work? So, so I think the competency framework is, um, is the precursor to a new professional journey for, for practitioners like you and I. Uh, this journey will be launched later uh, in, in this year with an enhanced suite of practical tools to guide skills development and career progression too. Uh, it's going to include Blueprint 2.0, a new CPD scheme, and a free career hub for members with access to thousands of learning resources and career planning tools. You'll, you'll find out more on the Irish website. But I, I think though more broadly, CPD is, a, is, um, is an important investment that we make in ourselves. Of course, the, the benefits though are felt by a, a much wider audience across your organisation and, and, and your peers too. And, the Irish CPD programme platform provides uh, a structured way of planning and delivering on your personal development. It's, um, it, it's, a, it's a great tool once you get into it and get your head around how to, to, to really use it. And I know CPD has not always in the past had, uh, had such a great feeling associated with it. I can remember, in fact, doing my Irish CPD where it was on a triplicate pad with, uh, with, with a carbon copy note that sat underneath it. Uh, I'm pleased that it's much easier to do online now. Yeah, I mean, I um, um, I think you know, I I uh, I I I obviously do it. I, I I do my quarterly I do my quarterly plans. I think I think one of the things that I think maybe we could benefit from, or I could benefit from, is having a having a little bit of feedback from from within IOSH about about what I'm doing really well from a uh, from a, a CPD perspective, and maybe maybe what I'm not. You know, because I don't get. It's, it's all, it all seems to be, you know, sort of one way. And, uh, you know, and if, uh, you know, and if I, if I don't hear anything, I'm assuming that I'm, <laughs> what I'm writing is okay. But I just think that, you know, maybe there could be some kind of, uh, you know, and I'm not saying every year, but every, every two or three years, you know, there could be some kind of, of, of interaction, you know, to, to, to actually look at, you know, what, what's been achieved, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and how, it's, how it's developed me as an individual. You know, you know I think that's a good point. I, I, I guess... Um administratively that's a bit of a challenge with 48,000 members in Irish around the world but um, you, you can get some good feedback actually through the FAQs the frequently asked questions mm-hmm. on the competency framework website uh, and also you might like to think about uh, arranging a relationship with, with a mentor or becoming a mentor yourself mm-hmm. which is new mentoring scheme which has had more than 400 people sign up to become mentors and almost the same number wanting to be mentees uh, has, has really taken off well as people are realising the benefit of being able to have some feedback on things like CPD. In mm. fact, that's one of the topics that I'm talking about with a couple of the mentees that I work with at the moment. So uh, I, I wonder whether there's an additional idea for your CPD planning for this year and perhaps for those that are listening to this podcast too. Yeah. You can more details on mentoring on the Irish website too. I think that's a, that's a, really, that's a really great idea, Andrew. And I, and I will, uh, you know, I... I I think as an individual, I've got something to offer, but I've also got an awful lot to learn. And, uh, you know, and I think, um, you know, getting, getting on both sides of that, uh, you know, of that equation, I think would be, uh, would be really, really worthwhile for me. So, um, you know, and I think, you know, I think that's one of the things that we're trying to do with, do with the podcast really is, is it's, it's, it's just an opportunity for, I don't know, to, just to, to help people a little bit and, uh, you know, and try to, um, you know, try to give away some, some some good quality information and some some great discussions with people so that so that the whole the whole profession can improve as a result of uh, of listening you know listening to it 
And uh, you know, and I think you know we're having we're having some success because uh, we're getting some good feedback from people. Yeah, I, I I think there's there's a real shift in the way that information and knowledge is being shared in the health and safety community right now. One of the things that I try to do on a weekly basis on my LinkedIn uh, profile is to update the life uh, of, of the IOSH president and uh, mm-hmm. and share some of the things that are affecting me and what I'm learning from them. And, and in fact, on, on Friday last week, I, I put just a quick post up there on uh, my experience last week. It was a heavy week with a couple of fatal accidents at client sites. Uh, and, uh, and I was just kind of reflecting on the work that practitioners do really being a matter of life and death. And this morning, I'm astonished to see over 13,000 people looking at that one short post and lots of comments coming in there about the work that we as practitioners do. Uh, and, and I think it doesn't matter how we want to share, whether it's on podcasts or through IOSH briefing documents and reports online, through LinkedIn posts or, or through some of the books that I write, that as long as we're sharing whatever we can in formats that are accessible to us, that might be accessible to others too, then, then I think that's a great thing. And I'd encourage everybody to think, perhaps leveraging that idea of mentor and mentee, but you can do both at the same time. And I try to encourage everybody working in health and safety, wherever they are around the world, no matter how much experience or how little experience they may think they have, they all have something to share. And so, so to think about how each and every one of the people that are listening to this podcast might share something today in their networks or beyond. I mean, that's, that, that's a wonderful, uh, you know, a wonderful thing to say. And, you know, and I think, you know, uh, I, I was probably guilty of it myself years ago of, 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 you know, the stuff that I've done is my personal property and it's there for, for me to, to, to use in the way that I run my business. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, this is, this is just crazy. You know, I've got, I've got so much information over the years I've gathered that, that, that let's, let's make it available to people because, because, you know, you you, you actually, as an as an individual, you you you're better for doing that. But also, you know, the opportunities come along as well by doing that. You know, it's 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 not um it's ultimately it's not just giving stuff away from free. You 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 know people you build trust with people and and that and that leads to relationships, which um you know which is which is really what what health and safety is about building relationships, isn't it? It is, yeah. I, I can't think of anything better to put at, uh, at the heart of your organisation than the people that work in it and their health and safety. And certainly over nearly a quarter of a century now working in safety, what I've come to realise is it really is about three things. It's about the quality of leadership. Uh, it's about the quality of engagement. And it's about the quality of those relationships that get formed around the health and safety agenda in the workplace in organisations like IOSH and membership institutions and in podcasts like this one that you're running. And moving, um, you know, moving on to this, this, whole, this whole idea of senior management engagement and, you know, and the, what, what, things, what things do you think, um, you know, that, that senior directors and managers in business really should be focusing on, uh, you know, to improve, their, to improve their health and safety performance? Where, where do they need to be spending their time? So my experience working with senior leaders around the world suggests to me that while senior leaders are, are committed to improving health and safety and often say things like, oh, yeah, safety is really important around here, discharging that commitment in a way that, that feels authentic and resonates positively with staff is the difficult piece. And I alluded to this earlier in, 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 uh, in my book, Mind Your Own Business, that senior leaders have got to the positions that they're in, not because they've been good at safety necessarily, but because they've been really good at getting a business performance result. Uh, and their leadership development journey at personal level 
whether with an MBA or some other executive development, probably hasn't included a really good solid grounding in what health and safety work really is. And so their expectation is safety work is about rules and compliance. But it's hard to motivate people and to get them engaged emotionally by telling them they've got to comply with the rule or to stay safe. So, so the big thing that senior leaders can do, I think, is to, to, to trust the, the OSH practitioner to navigate the, the regulatory side of health and safety work, to make sure that there's sufficient policy, procedure and rules in place. Uh, and instead to step up and try to help others feel their leadership commitment in safety. And one way that they might do this is to, to talk about why safety is important to them as an individual leader, why he or she really thinks that safety is necessary in the workplace. And this must go beyond mantras like safety first or people are our greatest asset, uh, and instead come from the heart, come from the guts of the leader talking about why it's meaningful, why it resonates with them and, and, and why it's important for them that workers in the workplace go home without harm every night. So, you know, when you, you know, when you're working with a, you know, with a large organization, you you know, you're going to, you're going to be sitting around the, uh, you're going to be sitting around the board table and you're going to be chatting to, to people with, with, with different skills and, and different, uh, different ways that they engage. How do you at that? How do you at that board level then, when you've got these these different characters, um, you know, sort of get that consistency that's coming out from that that senior senior group of key people, or or or, or do you not worry too much about that? You know, and it's about what the individuals, you know, what the individuals can do, and some are going to be better than others. How does it work? No, I do worry about it. It keeps me awake at night. So, so look, of course, the reason why safety is important to each leader will vary by a leader. Some people will say, well, I had a fatal accident in a previous role and that's deeply affected me, so I, I think about it differently now. Others will talk about uh, seeing the workers as an extension of their family and talking about the family environment that exists within the workplace. So, so I, 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 want the, I want the reasons why safety is important to a leader to be unique to that leader. But consistency in, in direction of, of culture change is important. And one of the things that I've noticed is that leaders struggle to ask good questions when it comes to safety at work. So often leaders will walk up to the shop floor and say, is everything safe? Or do you have any safety issues? And of course, we can spot immediately that those are closed questions. Mm. Is everything safe? Well, most workers will say, uh, yeah, when faced with a senior leader. Or, do you have any con safety concerns? Most workers will say, no, everything's all right. But that's not really an effective senior leader safety walk or safety dialogue. So uh, in, in our business, we've we created this deck of, of what we call creating safety conversation cards, which uh, are 50 cards covering 10 themes from leadership to behavior to systems to risk and performance. Uh, and each card has, uh, has, has two parts. There's a, a white part to the card, which is the icebreaker question. And you can spin it around and you get the coloured card. Uh, this green colour indicates it's a focus on behaviour here on this card. And the green part has uh, two deeper dive questions. So you can use this card as a way to begin a conversation uh, and to dig a bit deeper too. And we're finding that our clients are enjoying using them as part of safety walks or safety dialogues or as part of toolbox talks or team discussions or even strategy sessions where they're trying to think about where they need to focus. Uh, and feedback from individual leaders 
is that this is quite a handy tool because it gives them some questions that they don't have time to think about or perhaps the skill to really think about what really makes the difference in driving a positive culture of safety at work. Mm. It's, uh, it's, it's so interesting to hear that. I, um, I was fortunate enough a few years ago to spend, um, to spend quite a lot of time with a, with a, with a guy called Peter McKee and um and um and we went round uh, went round all, all over the uk um um you know having you know visible felt leadership you know safety tours um discussions and 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 it, and it was it was so interesting seeing seeing people that he was that he was working with um you know when they first they first sort of started out we felt quite uncomfortable you know and and you know and even though people have got to a senior level they they still can feel uncomfortable going out and talking to people and it's it's, it's about it's about making them feel comfortable about having that interaction, but also about about not not bossing the conversation as well. You know, it's about it's about listening, isn't it? As as much as about talking, or more so, probably. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, look, um, Peter McKee, fantastic guy. Uh, in fact, before setting up my uh, my business RMS, I was the principal consultant in department safety resources business, and uh, and really that idea of visible felt leadership that department pioneered whilst Peter was there. Um, is really what we're trying to do. And, and, and visible felt leadership sounds like it's about doing something to somebody else. But you've picked up on perhaps what's the most important part of visible felt leadership. And it's not just the asking of questions, but the listening to the responses too and, uh, and connecting in with those to build a, a dialogue around safety rather than a monologue or an edict that tells people what it is that, that, that the leader wants or expects. Yeah, and... Um... You know, and, and, and it's so easy to it's it's so easy to focus on on a workplace when something's gone wrong and you go out there and you ask a whole load of questions about, um, you know, about, well, you know, why did this happen and why did that happen? Whereas a better, better question is how how did we get to this situation? But also I think it's about going out into the workplace when things are going well or we perceive it's going well and having those same those same conversations, you know, you know. How, how have we been successful today? What have, we done? what have we done well today that we can replicate tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think this is one of the biggest questions and, and most important questions that we can ask, but most of us forget to do it. So you're right, it's, it's easy to go in and apply five whys or fishbone to, to something that's gone wrong. I, yeah, I try to encourage leaders that I work with to do exactly what you suggest. So towards the end of a shift, get out there and ask, how safe was it around here today? And why was that? What did we do that improved the safety of our workers today? What, what are we doing that ensures that people go home without harm? Mm-hmm. And often, often these little micro successes that can be identified are the keys to macro successes. They're the keys to really developing organisations' culture even more and creating an even more safe workplace. Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's great. That's, um, that's absolutely spot on. So what's um you know where do you see um you know sort of the the, the sort of the, the future risks the things that we need to be focusing in on um you know changing and adapting where where, where do you see that going? I've been doing quite a few of these podcasts and, and webinars over the last few weeks, and, and that seems to be a common question that comes up. And, and I should state here that I'm no technical expert on on safety. It's been a long time since I've had to really think about specific hazards in the workplace. It would be easy for me to say to you here, well, I think future risks are about nanotechnology and AI and the interface between humans and machines and, and that the robots are coming. And indeed, I've been talking about some of these things at, at conference events and, and, and client workshops recently. 
the, the point that I'd rather make, though, Colin, with the greatest respect, is, is that it's easy, particularly in a VUCA world, a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world, it's easy to think that we've got to focus on, on what the next big technological issue or, 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 or something like that might be. In actual fact, I think what we've really got to stay grounded and focused on is the people that work in our organizations, because those are the people that we as OSH practitioners work for. Those are our real customers. Our job as OSH practitioners is to help ensure that every worker every day goes home without harm. So, so I think we've got to be cognizant of the fact that human behavior, organizational cultures and people at large are, are complex and dynamic. They're uncertain and they're ambiguous from time to time. We can apply the VUCA philosophy to, to people and societies and organizations. And it, it's worth whilst continuing to think about what's on the horizon and scanning for, for new risks that are emerging. It's important to keep the other eye quite firmly on the present and thinking about the people at work. Yeah, I can, um, you know, I, I love that. I love that answer. I think that's, that's such a, that's such a, the right thing to say. And it's, um, I, I, I worked, as I say, I've worked in the quarrying industry for a lot of years now. And there, there used to be a quarry inspector many years ago, a guy called John Crabb. And, uh, and I can remember him coming down to a site I was in South Wales and, uh, and he and he says he just said, Colin. He goes, we we don't come up with new ways of hurting people. We 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 just keep on doing the same thing, but just to different people. And and so and so, what we've got to do is really look at the you know what are the things that can seriously injure and kill, and we've just got to get better and better at controlling them. You know, and and they're the things that we just need to work harder and harder. Mm -hmm. You know, how, I mean, is that again? Is that a sort of a, what you apply into your uh, into your business? Yeah, it is. Um... Although it sounds slightly at odds, if you don't mind me saying, with what we were just talking about. So it's not just about focusing on the things that can hurt and kill, mm. but it's also remembering to focus on those great inputs to, to mm. save them too. So mm. maybe that links neatly with the idea of getting it just right, the balance that we spoke about earlier. It, it's a tough job, I think, for an OSH practitioner nowadays, more so than ever, because we, we, we've got to be lots of different things. We've got to be able to understand the law. We've got to understand technical hazards and, and, and how to assess and manage the risks that fall out of those. We've, we've got to think about the, the, the social skills or, or what some people might call the softer skills, the listening, the communicating, the influencing, the building relationships. And, and I should say this, there's nothing soft about soft skills. They're perhaps some of the hardest skills to try and learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've also got to think about politics too, as we navigate up and down the organization from the boardroom to the shop floor and everywhere in, before, in between. I think being an OSH professional nowadays is probably harder than it's ever been, but it's certainly much more rewarding too. I can't think of a better job to, to, to have than the one that I have now and the one that 48,000 members of IOSH have too as a practitioner working in the world of work trying to keep people healthy and safe. I mean, there's, there's just there's so much opportunity to influence in so many different parts of an organisation. And that is just, that's just really exciting, isn't it? To be able to, to be able to have that, you know, have, have the ear of the people at the top and the ear of the people right the way down through the structure. And I hate saying at the bottom because these people aren't at the bottom, but the people that are, that are doing the jobs, the, the doers, as I say, you know, that, to have, have the opportunity to talk to people at all those different levels is, you know, is, is, is phenomenal. <laughs> you know? There isn't another role like it. It's, uh, it, it. it's a fascinating job and an exciting time for practitioners, I think. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Andrew, look, it's, it's, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you, you know, and, and I really appreciate, you know, you're a very, very busy person and I really appreciate you taking some time to uh, 
um, you know, to to have a chat to and 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 this will go out on the uh, on the podcast. Um, how can um, have you got any events coming up at all? And 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 how can how can people get a hold of you? And is there anything you know that you've got that you what you'd like to you talk about at the moment? Yeah, look, um, you can always get hold of me through uh, through our website rmsswitzerland.com, or you can drop me an email directly. My address is andrew at rmsswitzerland.com. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn too. And, uh, and indeed, yeah, we do have a, a big event coming up. It's, uh, it's the EHS Congress, which is running in Berlin. Uh, you can find out more details at ehscongress.com. Uh, you'll find Sidney Decker, Eric Holnagel, Diane Parker of Hearts and Minds, uh, myself, and about another 40 top speakers from around the world coming together for, uh, for, for that event. I'm really excited about it. There's not many tickets left, uh, so do have a look for that. EHS Congress, 21st and 22nd uh, of April in Berlin. Uh, and then finally, of course, we, we talked uh, about a, a couple of things here. Uh, some of my books and those Creating Safety Conversation card decks. You can find those at the website www.fromaccidentstozero.com. And if you use the coupon code INTERESTING, your podcast uh, subscribers and listeners can get 30% off those card decks and all of the books too. Wow, that's uh, that's absolutely that's absolutely wonderful. And thank you, thank you very much for uh, you know for giving for giving the listeners that opportunity. That's brilliant. It's a pleasure. Okay. Thank you very much for having me here today. No, uh, thanks a lot. That's been great. That's great. Andrew, thank you so much for uh, spending some time and talking uh, with me today. Um, apologies to listeners that the uh, the sound quality um, wasn't wasn't fantastic. Um, we were using a we were using a, a sort of system probably for the first time, and uh, uh, there was a, there were a couple of issues with the, with the sound quality, but but there was some really really great stuff that we spoke about, and I, I really enjoyed just talking about this competency framework for the uh, for the health and safety professions, and 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 it's a it's, it's so important that uh, you know that people that are providing the advice and the support into business have got this this rounded this rounded knowledge this rounded understanding you know it's not it's not just about being technically aware anymore you know being able to uh, being able to think about strategy being able to to think about the other important aspects of, of running businesses successfully communication skills um, being able to uh, you know being able to engage with people in a positive way and not be seen as you know as the box ticker as the policeman in the corner I think is um is fundamental and it's fantastic to see that the IOSH have put that framework together but also what they're going to be doing in time is is, is, is starting to do more training for for professionals to come better at those uh, some of those softer skills that um that maybe they uh, they sort of struggled with a little bit in the past um, it was lovely to uh, to talk about uh, this sort of senior management engagement as well, and how you know the things that you need to do as a as a senior manager in a business to uh, you know to be successful. And again, you know, um, approachability and uh, um, some accountability, but but really, you know, you know, really successful businesses are the ones that uh, that create this open and honest environment where there's a lot of trust you know people are um, are comfortable to to talk about things so if you can create that environment in your workplace 
then you're going to be, um, you know, you're going to be uh, successful. Andrew has, um, you know, has been has done a lot of work. Um, uh, has written some books. There's uh, there's some links um, uh, that he mentioned at the end of the uh, uh, end of the podcast there, um, and we'll also put some uh, some information up on the uh, on on the site um, in the notes on the site, so you can you can go and have a have a look at that. Um, again, I just want to say thank you ever so much, Andrew, for for taking time out of your busy diary. To, to talk uh, about about topics that are, that are really important it was it, it was lovely to hear just how passionate you are about uh, you know about helping businesses make improvement um, you know thank you very much and uh, hopefully we can speak again uh, at some point in the future um, thank you very much bye bye thanks for listening to the interest in health and safety podcast you can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the interesting health and safety community or go to www.influentialmg.com and remember let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business